Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. The Practical Guitarist Podcast is brought to you by Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices of practical guitars to the world. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitars Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash practical guitars or on Twitter as at practguitarist. Support the show. Merchandise is available in our Threadless store at practicalguitarspodcast.threadless.com and donate to us via Patreon available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitarist.com. Hello, Jim. Hi, David. I'm having an eventful afternoon. There's many things going on in my life. Are you? Some that are frustrating and some that are not. <laughs> uh, can we talk about my open mic experience last night? Sure. Like, like the, um, cause I, the video is in the group. If you haven't seen it, you know, of course we have a Facebook group, join it, find out all sorts of information, like how to support the show and all that stuff. It's in the announcement section, but seriously, go check it out. We got a cool community. There's about 300 people in there right now. Um, anyway, so I posted a video last night. And I don't think people realize how serious I was when I said I actually played through a panic attack. Uh-huh. So when I came in, um, I had to play first. I was playing after the hosts. And then uh, they called me up and I start panicking because I'm like, oh, I've only got a certain amount of time to set up and play because I knew it was going to be full house that night. Um, so, of course, it gets quiet, you know, after the, the house band stops. Of and course. Then everybody just starts talking and like. Like, oh, what am I going to do now? Now, they don't have so, filler music that they're like playing in between. No, 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 no. Oh. And and so that's the first thing I do is I get my looper plugged in. And I turn on my uh, my test track, you know, right. I'm like the sooner they can get that going, the better it's yep. for the audience. Yep. So um, which I have new test music. I have not put it on my looper yet. It was uh, suggested by my brother um, and he will be thrilled when I do it. I'll tell you about it later. Okay. But uh, <laughs> so the whole idea is that, um, you know, you get all your stuff together, you get it on stage and you start plugging in and running around there's cables everywhere you know and uh i th- i'm having some issues with my kemper and the output level and it being an xlr cable mic or line level so i told him it was line level he flipped it over everything was working great um had to adjust the volume had to go into the deep the menus and kind of deep at it to get things working properly and so i was kind of freaking out and by the time i actually got to where i could play i was i was pretty uh frustrated and, and like I was well into the realm of freaking out at that point. I was starting to have a panic attack. Yeah. And uh, that's when uh, I got up and like played the first couple bars of another song that was on my test track just to make sure that the levels are right. And then I looked to Andy, who's the host there. And I was like, am I ready? And he's like, yeah. And then I almost immediately realized I had like this horrendous headache and I could feel the vein running across the front of my forehead. And I started to panic because i'm like oh no like i'm having a panic attack on stage so you then start panicking about having the panic you pa- attack. yeah you're panicking about panic and then and the, and then i just go right so i make mistakes 
all over the place all night last night. Yep. Um, because the first two songs, I was literally panicking about the fact that I was having a panic attack and my headache got worse. So by the end of song one, I thought I was going to have to quit. I thought I was going to have to get hold off the stage and go for a trip to the ER. Um, I managed to make it through song two. And then by song three, I started settling in, in the middle of it. And I think I finished strong th song three real, real um, strongly. And then I played Purple Haze at the end. And I managed to do a decent job at that, even though the microphone was turned off. Um, really? Yeah. We which, can hear you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've been told. <laughs> I mean, that was incredible because so, if that microphone was off, you were it was off. Out. Yeah, it was off. <laughs> Uh, I have a, I'm loud anyway, so it was not hard for me to project, but, uh, yeah, it was off. Um, I, or it was super low, like to the point where people could not tell it was even coming out of the PA. Um, so everything was cool. I got off stage. I went immediately. Actually, my mother was at the show and she always has Tylenol with her. I grabbed painkillers for her immediately and slammed them down and then went and stood outside in the cold and rain, like cool rain to kind of relax and cool off and the rest of the night was great. Great performers there last night. Um, met some, some interesting cats and uh, hung out with a lot of the regulars. You know, they're there every week. My <laughs> Just cat when you is, said uh, cats, my cat is cat showing you, butt right yeah, he's showing you his, his <laughs> anus right now. That is, that is a cat anus. If you, you couldn't tell, he's looking for my burrito that I finished <laughs> um, no more than two to three minutes ago. I have scavengers for cats. They're, they're, they're kind of dog, cats um but anyway so yeah other than that everything was cool threw everything back in my road cases is great because my flight case is waterproof so i didn't even have to worry about the rain it poured rain yesterday flooding update in the hill residence so this is the shenanigans that kept me off the show as you probably heard i did do a little bit of an addendum um uh, <laughs> to last week's episode but i wanted to make, i wanted to let everybody know what was going on and a couple people reached out to me and you know let me know that they were um worried about my situation and everything but so here's what here's the deal go to the insurance company insurance company says we need some information from your association i'd already gone to the association so i went back to the association and uh filed a complaint and said hey, you know i need to get this straightened out and the insurance company says it may, you may be responsible for it um and so they're kind of button heads in the meantime the association basically says they're not going to help me they call they call the front front wall of my house what they call limited common property which basically means that I own the front wall of my unit, despite the fact that it is also the front wall of the unit above me and the front wall of the unit above that. So um, I, they're wrong, first and foremost. I, I want to make this very clear. I've talked to several attorneys, and, and they're wrong on it because actually the way it's worded, it's not my responsibility. It is my building's responsibility and not necessarily the responsibility of the association. So it, the way I read it, and the way that the lawyer that I showed it to read it was basically, no, this is, you're going to have to share the cost with the other three, the other two units, probably. Like, that's what this sounds like. That they're misreading this and they're oh, obviously boy. not lawyers, which I'm like, okay, fine. If that means that we, we have to pay 50 bucks a month extra for the next, you know, three years to get a new front on the building or whatever it's going to take, I'll take care of it. Right. But here's the real kicker on the flooding problem, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we knew what was causing the flooding. We, we we knew it straight away, but we really weren't sure. I stripped away about two feet of drywall off of uh, one wall. Whether when it says <clears throat> it's a short wall, it's only about a, about a foot and a half wide, and that was where the flooding was occurring. So I stripped the drywall away and I pull out the uh, the insulation, and there's cement behind it, and it goes up about 
18 inches and there's like three or four inches at the top. Well, the water was coming in over where the cement starts. So I'm going, well, clearly the water's coming in there. Um, it did not correlate with a hole on the outside of the building, but actually, as it turns out, my drainage pipe was spewing out the top. And we'd known about oh, yeah. it for a while because there, like a bird's nest or something had gotten lodged in it or just debris. You know, it happens. You have to have your gutters yeah. cleaned every once in a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, something got lodged in it. So I had filed a complaint. The building said they had come out and cleaned it out on Monday. The building lied. Uh, we had pictures of the uh, thing on Tuesday with debris sticking out of it still. Um, very obviously still clogged. Uh, yeah. So I complained. They were out here. It, ra it rained on Saturday, but it also rained on, I think, Thursday or Friday. But anyway, they were out here actually fixing it, I believe, Friday morning. Um, and they gave us a brand new drain pipe Saturday night poured and poured for like an hour and a half or two hours did not have a drop of rain enter my condo so we know right. it was the drain pipe right. um which means that basically the association is going to have to cover it because their drain pipe caused the flooding in my condo right now they probably will not cover the the building repair which i'm not as concerned about because now that the drain pipe is fixed i can fix that for 20 bucks i just literally take some concrete seal and be done with it um but the uh, the drain pipe situation is resolved, and so therefore they can fix my carpet and they can fix my condo um, for you know the damage that their drain pipe caused. So yep. yeah, there's that. Uh, <laughs> that's the most positive thing that has happened to me in the last like ten days. Wow. Oh, I'm finally not sick, Jim. I feel good right now. I don't feel sick anymore. Yeah, I'm not too. sick, which is weird because <clears throat> I was. It's sick only going to last about twenty four hours. It'll be fine. Yeah, it's a 24 instead of a 24, 24 hour, hour it's yeah, 24 hour uh feeling better. <laughs> yeah. So uh I uh I'm, I'm silencing my phone here. Um So I'm looking on Guitar Center's site. So um I told you, but I'm going to tell the audience, I'm going to be working part-time with Guitar Center through the Christmas holidays and such to um to get well, really, to get a discount. I mean, I'll get a little, little extra money, but it's really about the discount. Um, and what did I find while I was there? A 12-string Rickenbacker in, in Walnut. And I was like, oh, God, this thing is gorgeous. And then I, I made a mistake of playing it. <laughs> so, Jim, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you need it? No. No. no but I, I – yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um, I don't know. I, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So things are going to come together, but I might be eating ramen noodles for about two weeks between now. And <laughs> I'm paying off my car. I don't care how much I owe. So um, I'm going to take my car and pay it off this month. That's the objective. So no matter what it is that's left, I'm paying it off. I don't want a car payment through the holidays. Oh, so you're um, not going to buy the Rick then? No, 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 not right. <laughs> if it's there, if it's there when I have the cash, though, I don't know. It might be. It might but, stick around. It might be. It's 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 kind and, of an and odd the beauty piece. of it uh, um, is that not only is it a twelve string Rickenbacker, you've seen a bunch of twelve string Rickenbackers in your time. It is a it is a walnut satin satin walnut finish, and I got to tell you, in person, it, the, the picture on the website sucks, it's terrible. But they don't have a picture of the actual guitar. This is probably a Rickenbacker provided <clears throat> photo that they that they gave. So it looks kind of it's actually a really dark walnut. I'll put it in the I'll put it in the group. Um, I'll put a post up of it. Um, oh, and I stood next to you know that that uh, 
that used ampli- or a uh, cabinet that has 24 speakers in it. Yeah. So I stood next to it. You, I, I didn't you, get a Can picture. you stand inside of it? No. I thought it would be taller <clears throat> than what it was. <laughs> I thought it would be taller. <laughs> yeah. And so even with casters on, it only comes up to about here on me. And I'm only 5'7". So. <laughs> but it's. But let's let. Let me stop. I say here. Here, folks. Just just about uh, four is inches it, under my is neck. It, is it how many 12s are in it there's no those aren't 12s those are like little um like six inch speakers oh okay 24 of them though. 24 by six that's a lot of freaking speakers. so it's like four so if you think about six. it though there there it's only six speakers tall. yeah it's six speakers tall but it's for eight four wide tall three wide or six speakers tall and four wide. Yeah. So yeah, it's not that big. I thought it would be bigger. I thought that the cabinet would be bigger. Well, I thought too. we were talking 12s or something when yeah, we were talking no, about the no. last time. So yeah, no, I, and I have like, seen, who would they do that? did have, I didn't get in there in time to see it. It was already gone when I got there. I don't know who bought this thing, but there was a sun in there with eight, 10 inch speakers. Yeah. But a sun eight by 10, like, so you get eight by tens in, in uh, base amplification all the time. Yeah. Right? Those are, that's, yeah, that's so. what both of them are. Base amplifiers um, or base cabinets. It was, it was pretty cool. It had the matching uh, or Ampeg. I'm sorry, but it had the matching, matching Ampeg head. And I think somebody bought it either to have it in a studio. Cause there are studios around here <clears throat> or to have it. It's it, collectors. There's a lot of collectors in this area. It's, it's interesting that, because we're not really a big area. We're, Virginia Beach is relatively small. I mean, there's only um, – the whole Hampton Roads area, I think, has just over a million and a half people, which is not really a lot of people. No, it's not done. Um, we have – You got how many people in Chicago? 20-something million. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, – well, I don't know. It, it, if you count your 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 whole area, yeah, yeah. you probably have that. I, I mean – in New York City, I think there's nine and a half million people I'm, just I'm, in New York City. I'm Googling. I want to find out because I want to have the actual. No, I don't want to go to Wikipedia. I just want you to give me a freaking. How many just people give me the live census. here? Like, seriously, just how many people live here? Like, yeah, Chicago census. Um, Metro Chicago says 22,000. Oh, that's that, there's no way. 9.5 <laughs> million people. Yeah, the, so there's the 2.7 million people in the city <clears throat> of Chicago. Yeah. That's realistic. So you've got more people in that little city. And, and the city of Chicago being as big as it is, it's still relatively small yeah. compared to the many miles that – Yeah, uh, it's like 15 miles – Hampton Roads 15 is. miles north to south and like 10 miles east-west. I mean – Yeah, our whole what they call Tidewater area <clears throat> or Hampton Roads Tidewater area, there's always been this, this – uh, even back when I lived it here in the eighties, they didn't know whether to call it Tidewater or, or Virginia or uh, not Virginia Beach, uh, Hampton Roads. So anyway, there, there's about a million and a half people in the Hampton Roads area, and I think there's only three quarters of a million, maybe <clears> half a <throat> million in in Virginia Beach. So we all kind of share it. There's Suffolk, Portsmouth, Norfolk, Virginia Beach, Hampton, Chesapeake, Newport News. I mean, we got <clears throat> we got well, all geography, these. We're geography podcasting. These guys will be proud. <laughs> yeah, the, the sixty cycle hub guys would love us. We are totally off the rails. You're yep. welcome. You're welcome, Ryan. We love you. Yeah, we talked about flooding and yep. <laughs> and we the only thing we haven't talked about is beer. So Steve, you got to send us some beer so we can uh, beer. send us some recommendations to drink. I have to drink some beer. Like I've never done that yeah. before. <laughs> You've have you never had beer? No, one time. 
twice. Really? Three times. One time, yeah. twice. One time, three times. Yeah, three times. I think it was like Once, three times. Twice. I have to. I three times, three times. Uh, <laughs> a beer drinker. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, there's been three times I think in my life. Once is once when I was younger. Once when I was like my twenties at some point, and then once when I was like. Three. I honestly don't think I've drank beer three times this year. Yeah, but the year's not over, so. Okay, yeah, Jim, Jim, I I think he might have drank beer on the podcast three times. I think I drank. <laughs> yeah, that's really actually when I drink beer. <laughs> I think I had a beer one time at a, at an open mic this year, and it was. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't like to drink and sing. I don't like to drink and play. I, if I have two beers, I don't know how to play a G chord. Well, if you want to see what it's like when I'm drunk and play, you could probably just watch that podcast or that open mic from the other night. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty bad, but uh, pretty bad. <laughs> maybe maybe Sam Miller could could suggest a beer. He's <sighs> he's a. But you got to remember, Sam. I'm in the East Coast, so it's got to be something that's. Uh, Anybody recommend Jim a beer? He'll drink. He'll drink one he'll, beer. He'll drink till he falls asleep on the show. He's yeah, that's pretty much. He's what done it before. <laughs> okay. Um, so, um, so I'll be working at Guitar Center Virginia Beach once the uh, background check comes through. Which can't imagine it coming through negative, but hey, whatever. We never know what's going on. Never know if we've been swatted or doxxed or whatever it is that people do nowadays <laughs> to uh, get your. Um, you know your information. Uh, how I would, how I would. Uh, I can't remember. I was gonna say the the, the line from. Uh, I guess it's the Holy Grail. Oh no, it is from Life of Brian, where the guy's in the thing, and he's like, "How I wouldn't uh, love to be you know, spat hat in the face. Like how I wouldn't love to be swatted." <laughs> yeah, I love the one. The one where he says, "No one is to stone anyone until I blow this whistle." <laughs> um, yeah, dude. So I, uh, I. I heard a story. I, I think I should share this story on the show, but I'm not going to say who told me this story. So somebody I know, um, <laughs> they they sold a piece of gear through a store um, on Reverb, and the individual on the other end claimed that there was damage to it. So they ended up getting fifty bucks back from the from the uh, seller as a guitar, um, uh -huh. and then he promptly relisted the item on Reverb. For, uh, I believe a hundred dollars more than, or it was like basically with a hundred dollar profit margin, right? Um, you were using the guy's original pictures. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have asked this individual to give us this person's Facebook name. I think, or not Facebook name, but their uh, reverb name. I think we should st have a running list in our announcements, yeah, uh, in the comments of like bad transactions. So yeah. people know not to buy from these people. Um, so if anybody feels like that's a good idea, please, you know, make a thread and I'll put it in the announcement section. Um, Cause I do not want to see people get burned and have people act a fool like that. <clears throat> it was one thing yeah. if you do, if you're going to resell it and like make money off it, but don't scam the person and then use their photographs. It's just I, insane. That is funny. <clears throat> Yeah. On so many levels. Yeah. So, so many levels. Um, well, I've been still watching that Parker fly on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> <laughs> I saved. He can't stop, folks. He can't. I know. It, it's, you get that Katana Mark is, II yet? This is what I got. Yeah, I got one on order. No. I, 
Okay, yeah, that's what I want to talk. So that's what I know I that's where we're going. About, but I want to go. I want to go uh, use so locally. I've seen a few of these now where people are listing Epiphones and then they say Gibson. Yeah, I'm like, but that's just it's either Gibson or it's an Epiphone. I know that there was. See, this one has it. It says Gibson on like a um, the truss rod cover. Yeah, most of them did for a long time. Almost all the ones I've ever seen were like that. So. Yeah, so I don't know when uh, th- what year this would be. Uh, Heck, I had an Epiphone came with a Gibson gig bag. Yeah, yeah, I've um, I've seen the same thing. This is a nice looking um, guitar for, but it doesn't. From the look of the stickers, <clears throat> it does have Grover tuners, real Grover tuners. Um, but when did they stop? They stopped putting Gibson on the on the truss rod covers in coming out of. Yeah, I mean, it had to be the mid. It had to be like mid two thousands. Some yeah, but this could be. I mean, they've been making guitars under under the Epiphone license for like since the nineties. So he said, "I bought this brand new years ago and never learned to fully play." Probably true. Five hundred, five hundred bucks. And you know what? It looks beautiful. It looks like it's got a gorgeous. All right, right. let me stop him right there. You're selling a used Epiphone for five hundred bucks. I know. Clearly, you don't understand the value proposition here. They, yeah. You know, you get that with people like I see a lot of beginner guitars that get listed like that, where they're yep. super expensive because they don't know what they have. And the person literally never really learned to play guitar and like didn't know anything about it. And so now they put it up and they say, well, these are Gibsons. No, it's an Epiphone. It's not. The it's same an thing. Epiphone. Oh, there's a there's a boss. Speaking of loopers, by the way, there's a boss RC one. No. Uh, Okay, hold on. You haven't seen the price tag on it. $1,234,567, which means the person doesn't know. We'll trade for a Boss Tremolo or, or Reverb. Hit me he's up. He's really looking for a trade, not looking He's to looking sell. for a trade. You know why he's not looking to sell. He knows that there's no money in that thing. Yeah, yeah. So, so the guy that had the um, the Parker on here for like $800, brought it down to $750, brought it down to $700, brought it down to $675. When you can buy it, he's Jim? Now, he's now down to $600. Fifty. Just, just reach out to him and be like, "I'll give you six hundred and just call it a day." Yeah, if I if it's there next month, I will probably buy it. I will probably just hand him the six hundred bucks. Yeah, I mean, you'll make money if you sell it at that point. Because <clears throat> um, I, I would definitely buy it for. Well, th- it doesn't have the original gig bag. It's no an Fender Stratocaster. I know. I know. It's in a Fender Stratocaster hard case, which is actually a good thing. That's better than a gig bag. Exactly. Because those are always especially for gig ship, Especially for why. shipping if you're going to resell it. Yep. And uh, it's down in Moyoc, North Carolina. Um, um, it's the it's a 97 LV2. Yeah, yeah. We, we NFV2. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a gorgeous guitar. It's got no, I mean, he says there's small blemishes, but they're not showing up on the pictures. So I don't know. I would. I definitely want to give it a look and a listen and see what it feels like. All right. It's got the original Spurzel locking tuners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the, all the good stuff that's on. Yeah, it's stuff you get on the Parker. Anyway, moving exactly. on. Let's talk about something that people actually want to hear about. Um, that, yeah, that's so, so awful. Jim, no, Jim you're hoping to hear about this shit thing. To me. Nobody wants to hear about this no. thing. Oh, my God. Jim, okay, nobody so, cares about your stupid Parker, okay? <laughs> just as everybody knows, only a few weeks ago, I just bought a freaking – Boss, uh, yeah, Katana, Jim bought a Boss Katana. 100 for the third time, right? <laughs> and he has the right to use the F word on that one. 
Did I say that? Yeah. I, you firkin. I meant to say firkin, firkin, freaking fracken. Anyway, for the third time, and what happens? They send me an email. Natty, natty, boo, boo, stick your head doo doo. That's what the freaking email felt like. <laughs> hey, look what we've done. We've released the part. I'm definitely Katana. playing devil's advocate on this one. Let me tell Mark you. Two. So, what does the Mark II come with? Ladies and gentlemen, tell them what you'd get for Mark II. Well, you probably well, know better than I do because I don't think you get two much. voicings. No, you get two voicings per amplifier. Plus, you get an acoustic like everybody wanted on the first one, acoustic emulation for the for an electric. Okay, that's not worth. That's trading. useless. I didn't That's know that totally they gave – I don't know that they gave us that. I was just talking about the acoustic mode in the group. So if you're yeah. basing off what I said, then that's wrong. Yeah, that's that's something that um, uh, Anderton showed. Okay. I, I, I'll have to relook. But so I'm, it's the acoustic simulator the built in. Yeah, they built an acoustic emulator because it used to have the acoustic input. Right, still which does. was just, a, but now was just you an can, acoustic amplifier. Like basically so you could plug your acoustic have into two, it and it'd be flat. Right. So since you're going to have AB on there, build the acoustic <laughs> emulator into it. That's – that's a given. So then, <clears throat> excuse me. Then they put um, the the next thing that they put in it was they put a um, the so each like I said each amp model has two voices. I honestly I listened to Anderson's thing twice because somebody said oh there's a difference. I hear a difference. I hear a difference at all. And Enore was trying his best to go look. It sounds. I was like. Oh, maybe in a room, Pete. I I, I hear it. I, I've heard other clips online, and I can hear it. Like it's it's yeah. it's it's like you know it's, an OCD version two versus an OCD version four. It, they're not night and day different, but, it's but they're not intended you couldn't to be. EQ. It's nothing you couldn't EQ into it. Uh, I don't know because it, it, without having played it and knowing how it responds, like that's hard to say. But I will say right. this: um, it's they don't didn't market it as like an additional amp model. They said variation. No. Like they made it really right. clear that it's supposed to be like the same amp model, but maybe like a slightly different right. Take on and, they, it. and they did say that. So um honestly, I don't think it's anything you couldn't do. It, it's still not a game changer. Still not that was boss trying not to like slap the people that already have the katana. Basically, it was right. like if we put new models in it, people are gonna be ticked off. Now, I will I will say this much. I think that those are GT100 models that were in Sneaky Amps that were the original yep. models that they based the Katana off of. Like when they took the Katana's modes, basically they just they took those original models and they modified them. And so yep. that's the Katana version. And this is the GT100 version. I but think that's I, what they did. <clears throat> I honestly, now of course I haven't tried to do this yet. I honestly think you can get the second model out of putting the drive pedal into, in other words, the OD1, the OD2, they're, they're there. No, I don't think they, that's what that is. I, what I'm saying is they had, so if you didn't know about this, you can install a patch or you can use a piece of software that allows you to get all of the models that are in the GT100 on right. your Katana because it's, they're already on the chip. It's literally the same chip from the GT100, right? Right, and so it right. has the same software on it. All you have to do is access them with like, I think it's MIDI hex codes. And that's how you, you bring them into existence. And then you save them well, to then, each of your panel locations. And then when you're ready, you can just hit the button and you pull up a preset that's got 
you know, that so flexi words, model or the, you know. Yeah. In other words, you could hack the current one. Basically. Yeah. And I think what and, they yeah. did was they just made this hack something that you can now buy, which is what they should have had originally. And, and Well, and again, that goes to where I said, this is all stuff they could have done with software so far. Yes. So far, and that's what I'm saying. everything yeah. I've mentioned has been a software right. upgrade. Everything I mentioned could be in the boss one, and they should give it to the boss, the, the original Mark boss one, user. because right, whatever you want to call it. <clears throat> so the the two, which by the way, to to be able to at least they did this. I do appreciate the fact that they did this. You can tell you got a two because it has like little sergeant stripes underneath the has two well, little sergeant hashtags underneath. Well, I'm talking about right from the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's got two little sergeant I think it looks. I think the, they look terrible, to be honest with you. I think they should have left I'm, the logo alone. But I'm just saying that it's right there in front of you. You can you can tell right away. It's silver, and it's got. I don't even have mine here because I got it in the rehearsal place. But it's silver now, and it's got two little hashtags under it, like sergeant stripes. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Anyway. So moving on. Yes, the knobs are different because now the knobs are like dual knobs. So well, like some, of them, knob. some of them are concentric pots. Yeah, like that. Yeah, and an inner knob. So there's that for the uh, for the effects. At least the three effects are the three effects. Mm-hmm. So you can and you can now instead of having to dial the knob until you get green and amber and red, you can select. You just push the little button and it'll go to it. Something again they can't do with software. But you can do in your software. Yeah, I mean, I loved the way that Line 6 did it years ago where you would hold down a button and then you could turn right. the knob and it would get additional parameters. Yeah. So they, they've done that. That's a, It's a nice feature. Is it worth upgrading? No. So far, I've, give, I've given you nothing worth upgrading. Nothing. I don't if know. I for, was some lost, pe- for some people, that might be a game changer. And that may, I, I, I think for some people... I, if you're an effects heavy person and you're looking to do the katana, like use the katana for everything, that might be a feature for you. I, yes, if you're doing it from the top of the amp. So now the last thing, because you can do all that from the software, right. and you can select all those with a GAFC. Well, if you have a GAFC, I will. I will go on a limb and I'll say, you know what? They should never have put together those features in the amp that that had to be. Re- require a computer to be plugged into it because they have made a uh, and i'm going to say this and i don't want people to get frustrated but they have made a colossal mess out of getting the katana to connect up with the computer there have been i can't tell you how many bugs where like for a couple weeks the software was unavailable is i think at least three at this point yeah there was there was a few weeks where it was completely unavailable like to any windows users yeah yeah and when it first came out you couldn't get it for Windows, if I remember right. Yeah, that sounds correct, too. Um, so they were like, well, we've got this software, but you can't use it. Not yet. Which, <laughs> which will get me to my next thing, because my iPhone is the same thing right now. Anyway, <clears throat> so then the, you have the, um, the fact that there's, a, there's an added. Now, the GAFC is exactly the same. You don't have to buy a different GAFC if you buy a, a Katana. Mark two versus the Katana Mark one, the GAFC exactly the same, but the little sticker, which I mentioned in my, my uh, unboxing when I'm like, well, the sticker doesn't matter. Cause it's how the GAFC is labeled already now. Um, the uh, GAFC um, now has a different button. One of the buttons that did been one reassigned, thing yeah. has been reassigned. 
<clears throat> so, <clears throat> and I don't know if it's a, I think they said they took away the tap tempo button and they did something with it. I'm like, why would you take away the tap tempo button? That sounds the like one, the one thing you one would want. Button that I wouldn't take away from people is tap tempo, but whatever. I don't really care. And, and you still have all the other stuff. So really the only, the, literally the only thing that would push, and, and it wouldn't push me, but could possibly push somebody is this new stereo ability where you can buy one and slave the two. So I went to Guitar Center because they have the 50 watt on, on uh, display. <laughs> Let me tell you a story <laughs> about that here in a minute. Yeah. So they have the 50 watt on display and it does have it in the 50, but I'm like, I'd have to buy a second hundred <clears throat> to be able to do that. I just, I, I don't see anything in it. Cause if you were going to stereo this thing, if you were, if you were in the, the market for a stereo rig, I don't, it's possible. I'm not enough in the PNW scene yet to be able to tell, but I don't see the the use of it. I, I just it it doesn't excite me in any way, shape, or form. Okay. Does it? But that said, I guess that they just said take the ones off the shelves and put the twos out there because the ones are gone from my local stores. Yeah, they DC'd them pretty quick. Um, yeah. I think they've been selling stock out of them for a while. It sounds like <laughs> Boss had pretty much informed uh, pretty much the entire media community way ahead of time that this was going to happen. Oh, um, of course. And so. Uh, that's part of the reason why you think Robert would have said to me on the side, "Hey Jim, no, Robert, I know you just wait, bought one, Robert, but you need to return it because you're gonna you're gonna know why in about three weeks." Yeah, well, there but were no. there were actually people that got told that, <laughs> um, and I've heard of people getting their katanas returned if they bought them in the last ninety days. In fact, I so, might I might call Sweetwater and say I would call them up and I'd be like, "What the hell?" Um, and just see I, what happens. But uh, yeah, yeah, maybe they give me a discount or. Yeah. Pay for my chipping or something. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, so here's um here's my thing, right? Here's my hot take. Uh I was frustrated, but I wasn't frustrated because they come out with a new version like that. I don't care about that at all. Uh, in fact, um I actually think some of the features in the new version are pretty attractive. Uh I think the 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 uh power amp in it's different than yep. the the effects return. I understand impedances, and I understand that that would be something that's a feature that a lot of people would actually really get some use out of. Um, now, that that to me would be like the one thing that I was really interested in. The stereo effect thing, they can take that and shove it up their butts. Let, let's be honest here. I know people talk about running stereo rigs live. I have never actually seen someone do this. Um, and, you know, I, I've been going out quite a bit, like especially lately, where, you know, unless you're going to a paid show where you're paying, you know, good money to see a band, um, they might have like two amps, but generally it's not the same amp. Like they want to oh. do something where there's a little bit of separation unless wet, they're dry. doing wet, dry, wet. And then in which case they might have like a one amp for the, for the dry signal and then two amps for the wet signal. But, but in reality, like I think stereo guitar is really more reserved for people who run to the board. And I know people are going to like, yell at me and say no i do it all the time like listen i've done it in my house too but it's just a lot to deal with going to a gig um especially when you're you know playing <clears> in <throat> bars i mean i've been on stages where you couldn't fit two amps um now I, i've been at a at a church where the they were using a stereo rig and the truth of the matter is 
there's still not enough separation for me to tell. And I'm not talking about a little church either. I'm talking about a big yeah, church, yeah. plenty of separation. But the problem is that with the with the choir and the you know everything else that's going on, in all reality, I I the ambience is probably stereo. But I just it not enough for me to care about. Well, in the, in the I mean, it's not that these people have this obsession with getting a bigger sound. And yes, you can get a bigger sound if you're blending two different amps together. Um, there's a lot that I've done. And I've you, done know, you know what, though? Like, this is the one thing that I don't think people realize. If you've never done it, first off, the amps have to be in phase, which people yeah. don't seem to understand that like a deluxe reverb may not be in phase with, yep. you know, your Epiphone Valve Junior, for example, or something crazy like that. It was an it was an example of something similar I had done where I discovered, oh, this is a phase. Like, what am I going to do now? Um, yep. And the same thing can happen with running two two uh, drive pedals in um, in parallel. If you have like a an ABY splitter or whatever, and you're dividing out to them, I've run into that stuff, and I can tell you, like, it's not a cut and dry solution. Um, that was the first thing I realized about the ESA. Yeah, you could deploy pedals in uh, in parallel with the ESA. So I was thinking, oh, I could put an overdrive with a fuzz and stack them. But I yep. quickly realized, no, because they're out of phase. Like, they're, for whatever reason, they were out of phase. Like, whether it was the cable length or whatever. And you start fighting these, like, little problems. Um, I can't imagine a bar band, or much less a praise and worship group, like, running amps and stereo every day that they that they did it um without having worked out those kinks and that's a lot of work if you do it yeah. and it's great more power to you i just don't think for the average person that that's a feature that's like oh this is a game changer um i don't think it's going to sell many units i do think it's something that people might take advantage of if they already have them um and i could right. definitely see look i know some guys locally that use a katana um and i wouldn't be surprised if they wouldn't buy two of them because they're cheap yeah, I got two of the yeah. same amps, so if one breaks, I got the other one. Um, that right. kind of thing. And if they can take advantage of one of them by doing a stereo deployment like that, that's cool. Um, but I just don't think that the the idea of using stereo effects is really worth that kind of hassle. Um, because I for me, like I use the I use the Kemper, obviously, we've talked about it on the show enough. Uh it's stereo out. I haven't used it as an open mic in stereo yet, but I've used it in my house. It sounds great. But I've never had that effect running two amps with a with like a mult reverb, you know, where I have like a stereo left and right for the reverb pedal because you're not running them right. out front. It, it it really becomes this whole thing of like, yeah, you can do it and it'll sound cool because this thing has a slave out, but I don't know how feasible it is. Right. So I've used a slave um, with stereo uh, or a head when I was doing stuff. Didn't they take you know, the with- kickstand? Abs. Did, didn't they? Oh, I think they took the kickstand. Yeah, down. which is fine because the kickstand was just a joke anyway. It was useless. Uh, they should have. They should have put that made the kickstand longer or done it like the fender tilt back. Um, yeah, the truth is that if I if if I could get out of mine and get into a new one for a few dollars, I might do it. But if if it cost me more than fifty bucks, I don't think I'd bother. Well, I'd, I'd bother. So, and the other thing is, like the used value, I don't know where that's going to settle. But I still bet I'll probably get two hundred fifty when I sell my head. I, I figure, I figure I'll probably get two fifty for the head. Um, now I paid, I think two two seventy two eighty. You can probably go back and listen to the episode where I bought it, it was last year's Gear Fest, not this one. Um, and yeah. I'll probably mention how much I paid for it. Um, but it was it was not 
a significant investment. So if I get two fifty out of it when I sell it, like I'll be thrilled. Um, did they change the price on them, or did they yeah just they went keep- up because of the tariff thing? But I think that they didn't go up a whole lot. I think they went up like fifty bucks or something. Um, so the Katana one hundred right now. Uh, oh, that's the one hundred regular. So that's three fifty nine still. Yeah. Um, I don't see. Oh, here you go. They were three twenty nine. So the Mark two. Yeah, the Mark two is three fifty nine. So they're. <clears throat> they're selling them for the same price. Honestly, if somebody's going to look at them, boss has got to let Sweetwater and places like this go. Yeah, we'll we'll bring the price down. Um, well, I mean, I don't, I don't think I don't think they're uh, they're underpriced. I think they are the option if you have less than four hundred dollars to spend on an amp. Like there really doesn't there, nothing else below that class really makes a whole lot of sense unless you're going to buy used. Um, if you buy used, you're going to get a one channel amp, which for maybe a lot of people, that's okay. Um, yeah. But I just think like for an amp that's flexible, can play gigs, can do things at home, and you know, it's for the weekend warrior, maybe the once a week or tw- twice a week or you know, twice a month gigger, like that might work out great for you. The katana might be the thing for you. I just think that right now is a great time if you're thinking about getting a katana. Is a great time to leverage the fact that if you want to get a one. You're not worried about those features. Yeah, you can probably get them. You should be able to leverage that. Hunt one down, like yeah, sixty bucks less or whatever. Um, new, if you're looking at new, and you know whatever for used. I mean, used. I don't think that the used price is going to be affected that much just yet, only because the new ones um, aren't used yet. You don't have any new ones on the market yet. Yet, give it another week. Man, can I just say I really love amplifiers. I love amps. I, I do. Um, I, pl- I like them a lot. I plugged into my there's Mark. A, there's a Mesa Boogie Lone Star Special for $1,000. I plugged into my Mark V yesterday for the first time in like four or five months. I had this guy cranking last night. And it was it was like. <laughs> my windows were open. It was like finding an old friend. And I almost took that to the open mic. Because I was like, you know. I was like, it doesn't get enough love. And it's not that, you know, like I, I was t- talking to Jeff about it today. And I said, you know. It's not that the Kemper sounds bad or anything like that. The Kemper's great. Um, and I can get those sounds out of my Kemper when I put on my Mark V patches through my cabinet. But because my I don't use my cabinet a lot with my Kemper, I was I was definitely preferring the sound of the Mark V through my cabinet than the Kemper through oh, other sure. profiles through my cabinet. Sure. When I switch over to the Mark Pro, I was the same thing, so it didn't matter anyway. But Yeah, so... Um, I, I watched an interview with Phil X. No, that, this week. you lost me. Yeah, I, know, <laughs> I know. So um, Phil X, okay, regardless of what people think of Phil X as a, as a person, um, he is an incredible guitar player. And uh, I don't think he's a bad guy. I don't, I don't think he's a good guy. I don't think he's a bad guy. I, just, I don't know him. I, I wouldn't know I him from Adam. I don't care I mean, for his playing. Never like, had I, tea I know you think his playing might be him. good or bad. I, I don't think his playing's. I, I just don't care for it. Yeah, I honestly, I've never cared for any of his original stuff. I don't so care for anything I've heard him do. Leave it there. But he's all right. As far as, I mean, let's face it, Bon Jovi likes him, so whatever. He's making a lot more money than I am. Sure. So anyway, he's talking about how, because he tours with Bon Jovi, right? Apparently. And he was talking with, uh, who the hell was he talking to? Jeez, it was one of your regular... Uh, um, oh, it was that pedal show, guys. So, oh, that, oh, you right, really so lost got, me. 
<laughs> now you got snobs talking to snobs, right? Because you got the pedal show guys who who well, we don't talk down about everything, but uh, yeah, we do. Anyway, so um, the uh, that pedal show guy uh, Dan, um, who seems to be the, at least the more accessible of the two, is sitting there talking to um, to uh, yeah, Phil X. Yeah, Mick is Mick is definitely not accessible. Yeah, Mick is Mick is the biggest. I I've never had beer with the guy, and I don't think no, I ever you won't could. because he's a cork sniffer. He only drinks wine. Yeah, yeah, he would. Yeah, I, I can imagine that he's only out there with tea and tea and wine, and champagne, and his Dom Perignon has been, you know, profited. His tonal Dom Perignon. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's the name of his episode. I, I just can't stand. He, I, I'm sure he actually probably is a nice guy. It's just he comes across. I don't even know if he knows how he comes across to to uh, most people. They, and they've been called snobs by more than one person because they're always like. Yeah, somebody called us a snob this week. So I and I, I'm not the only one because I don't do go on people's channels. I got my own channel. I can call them snobs here. So anyway, um, he's he's interviewing Phil X, and this gets to something we we had the group this week about John Mayer. So Phil X is sitting there, and he's like, "Yeah, well, you know, because they were talking about modeling and how modeling has moved on." And Phil X goes, "Well, well, models suck," and he just goes on to like pummel models, which I. I don't take personal. I don't give a shit. He's not in my shoes. I'm not in his I shoes. I have some. I but, have some. We can. But here's tie what he said. Conversation. But this is what he said, and that's where we could go right to the John yeah. Mayer thing. Is get him. He goes like this. He goes, um, "Well, I don't have to worry about paying for carnage and so on and so on because um, John know, takes uh, care of it for me. John Bon Jovi takes care of it for me. I just go back there and do my thing, and then I show up and." And they pay for everything. And he's and he's like, uh, so I have it so good. I don't even know what it's like. to. And so he at least admitted. Yes. I've got so many people kissing my feet and, and sucking my toes that I don't have to can, worry. Can I take over when we talk about, about the other guy? Oh, yeah. You All can right. have it when we good. get to Mr. Mayor. Because I'm going to take the flip side on that one. But anyway. so You're going to lose. <laughs> well, I, I'm just saying at least he admitted. <laughs> yep. I'm a snob. But here's what, something he did say that I agreed with. He said, if you've never been, and I've been there, you've never been on a stage with a bunch of, you know, with power amps cranked. They're doing their thing for you on the stage. He goes, you can never know what it feels like to, to know what it, you can never know what that feels like to play the amp as an instrument. And I was like, well, I do know how. And I've only had, I think the most I've ever had is two heads. They were slaved. That's what I was talking about before. Two heads slaved with eight by 12. So it was it was um, two Marshall heads uh, with a JMP um, that was slaving the two power amps. So I get it. Um, and I understand what he's saying, you know, uh, where certain points of the stage are more magical than others when you're standing. Yeah. But that was the complaint that, that was the complaint that Randy Rhodes made to Sharon Osborne when she said, Oh, we're gonna set the stage up, it's gonna look like a castle and all these other things. He's like, Well, where are you gonna put the amps? She goes, under the stage. He was like, What? I can't play the guitar the way I'm used to playing guitar. Because he's used to not just playing the guitar, used to playing the amp. And and that's exactly what he was saying. I I was playing. You were talking about how you know you missed your missed your Mark Five. I was playing my my uh, Marshall. And I was like, I'm not getting what I want out of this, so I just turned it up. And I said, Now I've got it. 
Now it's doing what I want right, it to do. Right. So, and I'm just saying that there are points when you really want that. You want that power. You want that to go. So we had John Mayer had made a, a comment. Uh, yeah, right? yeah. But let me let now it's your let, now you let me rebut go. Phil. Phil the whatever Phil X Phil, yeah, was he a Phil porn X. star? Um. Anyway, so let me let me rebut this guy. He only has one X. Yeah. Well, he's gonna have. Which, by the way, is two made more up, if somebody um, gets a hold of it. It's a made-up rating, the by face. the way. For, the, for those who don't know, the X rating, uh, the X rating is actually a made-up rating. Um, yeah, it probably is. Well, it was in the beginning. I don't know if I it's actually. I don't care. I don't care. So, yeah, Phil X, like, all right, yeah, so you get on stage in front of really, really loud amps, and, of course, it causes your guitar to feedback, but you don't think you're getting that at lower volumes. Like, honestly – I've stood in front of a two by 12, 175 watt, two by 12 cranked to halfway. And I can tell you right now, that's the same feeling. Your pant legs move. Okay. And that's great. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. You you know, you get simulated or you get the, the, the feedback loop, you know, going on and on. That's wonderful. But if you have to rely on that to get through a gig, you're probably not going to be doing so hot in the next 10 years of guitar playing. Just saying. I mean, unless you're at the level where you're going to be with Bon Jovi for the next 10 years, which, by the way, he did kick out the guy that had been in his band for 20 years um, for something yeah. ridiculous. Um, Richie Sambora. Yeah, because Richie wanted more money probably. Um, but but that's my <laughs> that's my, that's my my point with this whole situation. It's like, okay. He forgot that Richie was the reason that he got through the 80s because John was so drunk and stoned out of his mind, he couldn't hit his own right. notes. Right, right. So, Richie was back there singing yeah. for him, but that's beside the point. Yeah, <laughs> I love Richie Stambora. Um, so I just look at the, I just fan. look at Phil X and I go, this is kind of silliness. Like in this day and age, to to assume that you're going to be playing on these stages where where you're going to have that level of volume available to you. Like to your point, Randy Rhodes reacting that way. That was the norm back in 1970. Like everybody was playing with these huge stacks and you know through the 70s and 80s. Um, but it hasn't been that way since you know maybe late nineties that with that. Yeah. I mean, you go into a bar now and if you bring in a four by 12, the club owner's like, what are you doing with that? I, yeah, it's, exactly. it's a weird situation. So that's what I'm saying. Like you got to look for other ways. You'd never get away you, with that, it. That's what high gain is for, right? Is to give you that feedback and sustain at a reasonable volume level. Okay. So that's where I'm kind of like, all right, yeah, I get it, Phil. You, you know, you're an elitist and you can do these things and it's wonderful that you get to do them. But my problem is, just like John Mayer, who we're going to talk about in a second, is that your elite status puts you in a in a position where people are actually looking at you for your opinion, yet they cannot achieve your opinion. Okay, right? And and it's un and they may never and it's achieve your opinion. All right, so right. now we're going to switch gears. John Mayer does this dumb, 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 dumbass article with Guitar World, and if you and if you've read the interview. <laughs> Um, which I, I have, I would recommend you not because it is clickbait. Um, but if you want to, you know, indulge yourself, you can go read it. And in this interview, basically the gist of it is like, well, you're using a fractal audio XFX three and, uh, you feel it has some shortcomings. And he basically says, well, yeah, it doesn't, uh, model. Mo he doesn't say the, the fractal. He says modelers don't respond to the way you roll back your volume knob the same way an amp does. And to a point, he's right. But this is the first part where I took massive issue with what he had to say. Because I'm like, well, but the Kemper does. Okay. And most people would consider that a modeling device. Now, maybe he's maybe right. he's informed enough that he considers the Kemper a profiling device. So it's a separate thing. I don't know. Um, but 
even then, I had a helix, and when I rolled that volume knob back, it it, it cleaned up pretty good, just like kind of like a real layup. I mean, it wasn't. I would say it was ninety ninety five percent of the way there. It was not. It wasn't as good as as the way the Kemper does it. But yeah, it's probably less. It's probably ninety percent of the way there. The Kemper definitely does a much better job, um, at least in that regard. But I but I'm like, that's your deal breaker. That that it doesn't clean up the same way when you roll your volume knob back. Well, it's like I get it. Like everybody uses the volume knob to control their amplifier, especially Stratocaster players, which John is a Stratocaster player for first and foremost. Um, but I guess what um I posted the article and I basically just wanted to say it was clickbait and that like I didn't feel that this was a realistic uh, assessment and I didn't feel that um modelers got their just desserts in this conversation because it's not real world conditions, right? Like let, let's, let's stop and let's examine um, John Mayer's career a bit here. Where, where does he play Jim? Where does John Mayer play? Right. What, in front of what right. size audiences? Right. So here's a guy that's playing to 50,000 people, right? 20,000 people. A, a small gig with him would probably be to five, 10,000 people. Madison square garden. And, okay. That's the yeah, kind of places yeah. where he plays. Right. And so um, he's that's exactly what I wrote in there. I mean, the guy doesn't even rehearse. I'm, I'm sure he practices at home. Yeah, and he like, does. he's on like Instagram the guys all the time from, doing it. The guys from that pedal show, I'm sure he's got the most expensive, um, you know, practice amp yeah, buy because, yeah, it, not all of us can sit at home and practice with a dumb um, or many dumbbells. And, and here's the kind of guy he can literally this is this is what bothers me about when you when the masses give credence to what people like this say, because it's not that I don't like John Mayer. It's not that I don't think he's counted. I'm not, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to say he's not. What I am going to say is he doesn't understand what you have to go through because he can, he can literally pick up his cell phone and go, Oh, sycophant or person I pay. Yeah. Whatever, whatever you want to call them today. Um, bring me this amp <laughs> now. Now. And then it'll show he, up in 10 minutes. You don't know where it came from, but it just showed up. It just magical poof. poof. By the time he gets his shoes, I swear the ninja throws somebody on the ground that that causes all the puff of smoke, and then there's like a Dumbledore, you know? (laughs) Right. It's like a Batman. Yeah. But he so he goes into his other room where someone changes his shoes for him. I don't know. No, they. He's no. I don't think he has shoe changers. But but you know, Taylor Swift is hanging out. Right, where where Taylor Swift is sitting, and she's she's there to give him a back. Yeah, massage. because she's hanging out with Jennifer Aniston. Actually, she she pays somebody else to give him a back massage while she says, "Yes, honey, I know, I love you very much." And then he goes in there, <laughs> just saying, and then and then somebody else cooks them their dinner and cooks them their lunch and cooks them their breakfast, and then they sit down and, and um, he's got a dumbbell sitting there where he was just ten minutes yes. ago that weighs a hundred and you know. In a road case, right? In a road case with a dumbbellator, you know. Um, And he can turn it all the way up. Nobody's going to go, John, turn it down. No, because he he lives in an estate. He He lives in an estate, you know. He can turn it so far up that when people do bitch, he's just like, you, I don't need to. Yeah, he just pays the cop. I'm John The cops show up and they're like, we have to issue a noise complaint. And then he just pays them and they go away. No, he just just goes, here, let let me sign your daughter's. Yeah, he doesn't even pay him, right? Like, here, I'll sign that ticket. It's worth $10,000. Have a good day. Yeah, (laughs) here. Oh, John, can I have your autograph? Oh, by the way, could you please turn it down? (laughs) I I, I had cops do that to me, and I'm not even famous. Um, So, 
I mean, they didn't have me for my autograph, but they did just say, Mr. Woodard, could you please turn it down? So it's not like he lives in our world. So he doesn't get that. Yes, we know that a, that a, a, a Mark V, you know, your Mark V has certain things that, that they, uh, Kemper, no matter how well you model it, is never going to get. Yeah, I mean, there's ever. a feeling you get from it because it's an amp right. in the room thing. And that's why I want to speak but, about, though. I mean. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But we have to make certain concessions. It's not even concessions. Nobody not even tells us. Concessions we makes have 20. Concessions makes an assumption that there is a good way and a bad way. And that is my problem with this whole thing. No, is it, a, I'm talking about the concession that I've got to fit a five by five spot. I sometimes that's, that's me personally on a stage. I'm just or I have but nobody's gonna tell me that's wrong. That I have to sit in a five by five room and play my guitar. That's my point. He's making the assumption that because you don't get you don't get what he's saying about uh, no, it's not him. It's really guitar guitar world because they know that people are going to click on this and read this, right? They're making the assumption that somebody who has like um, a fifty watt Marshall, you know, in their house, and like they have to keep it on one, like that they don't really know what they're doing because they don't get to turn it up and be in these bigger venues, or and or if you have the modeler and you're sitting at home and you're playing it at a quiet volume, that somehow we're doing it wrong because we don't know why somebody like John Mayer would do this. Here's my thing. This is what this is the elitist part of this whole conversation is that look, yes, I, I'm and, and Mike Mara brought it up in the group and he and he's absolutely right. John has more experience with gear than anybody on this podcast does. However, John is not going to tell me what works for me. And that is the point. We look at these celebrities like Phil X and John Mayer and anybody else that you'll find on YouTube or in the guitar community at large that you look up to, and you will take what they're telling you in stone as that's the only way you can achieve what they're saying to do. You you will take – and people do it all the time. I watch it all the time. They, they'll, they'll look at somebody like Stevie Ray Vaughan and they get all these like rig rundown photos from the 80s and whatever, and they're like, oh, this is what he was using here, and this is what he's, and then they build a rig around it, or they or they try to emulate it in some way, and it's like – Listen, just find what works for you, for Christ's sakes. Like, figure out how what your sound is and build it around that. Stop trying to be everybody else. Thank you. Yeah. Thank I haven't you. done that in a while. That's exact. <clears throat> that is what I was getting at. But <laughs> it's like, the, the reality is, would I, would I love to be the way it was? In the late 70s, yeah, early 80s yeah. when I was coming late up. Late 70s, early what 80s. I loved, what, what do you play, Jim? A Fender or a Marshall? <laughs> yeah, it was the Fender. <laughs> and, and there weren't Let's any boxes the ra- around, so that was a rarity. Not for me to yeah. get, no. I couldn't, I couldn't find a box. So you had a Marshall. I had a stack. I, had a, I don't know if you've ever seen these, but I had a 6x, a 6x12 versus a 4x and a... And a um, Four yeah, by, yeah, I had a four by like and a two yeah. by. Yeah, it was it was a broke down thing. It was a little smaller, so I could fit the head in about my height because there were bars where the yeah, you know, in the you couldn't back. even get in the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 and I had, you know, you pay a guy twenty five bucks that hopefully would steal your stuff to move your things in and out because you were just dead tired. But anyway, so I did this stuff, and and would I love to have that right now? Sure, to an would, extent. To I an can't. extent, 
But and that doesn't say mean to say that I don't like this. I love this Marshall DSL. There's a reason I've had three of them. I think I think some of the old <laughs> This is my third one. Some of this old coveted gear, I'm gonna go out of limb here and I'm gonna say so many people idolize it because they've never actually had their hands on it to begin with. Having now right. knowing that we have show listeners like Nick Bongers who actually has a lot of vintage stuff or like original equipment. Um you know, he can attest to that. Like, not every old piece of gear is good. Much of it is mm. complete crap. Um, oh. And so that's I, I watched a guy last night. He was a, he's in a um, an Aussie tribute act, right? Like, because it was a tribute. It was more of a like a cover band. But um, he right. had a DS. Yeah, it was either DSL or TSL, but it was a combo, right? It was uh, I think it was a one by twelve, and it sounded freaking great. Even my wife turned yeah. to me and she goes, wow, his guitar tone is really good. I'm like, eh, I hope it was good as mine. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was kind of what, nah, I mean, his, I, what I meant was I hope mine was wow, as good as babe, his. Oh, uh, babe, his tone is as good yeah, as I, I was, Yeah, I was like, I was hoping it was, mine was better, but. Um, a jealousy yeah, thing. Because <laughs> you kind of sit there and you go, you go, crap, I wish I sounded that good, you know. Um, I'm sure you've had that moment, too, where you're sitting in the audience, you're well, like, damn it. <laughs> But I've been there. I've been that guy that had a really nice guitar, really nice thing, and then stood next to a guy that had a oh, yeah. little blues junior with a with a freaking Digitech pedal yep. who sounded yep. awesome. And I'm like, all right, you. I but hate that's you. My, I hate you. That's guns. my point, man. <clears throat> like we all we all idolize. Like I'm I'm guilty of it too. I look at people like Ingve Malmsteen and Richie Blackmore and all these guys, and I'm like, man, I want to do what they did. I want to have these really big, loud marshals and stuff. But then I stop and I think to myself, like. I actually can't do that. So I have to find the closest approximation that makes me happy and that actually accomplishes the goals I set out to do. And you know what? I've been really right. successful at it and I can't complain. Um, but but I, I always stop and say, say to myself, like, if I get too much into one person's style, like, how do I get out of this? Like, what do I do to go? I got to right. I got to back out of that style and go over here and do something else. And I got to, I got to come into so like my right own. now I'm playing so much metal and I'm like, I know I'm going to have to back off and start playing more blues. Like I know that I have to switch gears because if I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to get too slanted in one way. So it's the same thing when it comes to gear and tone. If you get too slanted in one way, you're going to sound like that person. That's what happened to John Mayer. I know everybody thinks that like, um, you know, Mayer is like this unique individual or whatever. He's Stevie Ray Vaughan, right? He's Stevie Ray Vaughan yeah. with like modern pickups. I mean, there's really not that much going on there. And his vocals, it's the same thing. He's won Grammys for having less than like an octave and a half worth of range. It's ridiculous. All right. So, yeah, I, I want to talk directly to that. So um, I'm, a, I'm a fan of uh, uh, Lenny Kravitz. But let's face it, Lenny Kravitz, every single riff and lick is stolen directly. It's right out of a yeah, Jimi Hendrix playbook. It is. If you if you get a, a, a Kravitz album and you listen to it because I do yeah, I yeah, have put, and shuffle I it up with uh, with the Experience Records and then and then tell me which is which. It's Experience Hendrix. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. And every one of them, every album, every song. If you listen to um, what is it? Uh, uh, Go your way. And that's or, not to say you can't like that music. Like I like Lenny no, Kravitz's I, stuff. But yeah, but yeah. I'm that's you're absolutely right, Jim. He's the same thing, right? And there's another guy that <clears throat> when I first saw him, um, he had you know a flying v, he had a Gibson Flying V, and he was playing through a um, I mean he literally was Hendrix. He had a Gibson Flying V with a Marshall stack, 
was playing a whole thing. I was like, oh. And then he did American Woman as if he was Hendrix. I mean, he'd, it was like Hendrix played, was covering BTO, right? It, or not BTO. Uh, it, it was BTO before they were BTO, which was guess who, right? Um, but uh, yeah, he, he was doing exactly what Hendrix would have done with the song. And I, and I loved it and kind of like, so what are you going to do? I mean, you could chase the the dragon forever or you can say okay i'm gonna i need to to work on my chops i need to work on my sound and the only reason that i mentioned that i wanted to turn my amp up is because i was doing stairway to heaven i know no stairway right i was doing stairway to heaven i was doing that solo that outro solo and i had been playing you know plinking along and then i get to the outro solo and i'm like because i never learned it note for note so i sat down yesterday and i literally learned it yesterday from end to end in an hour Note, note for note. And uh you have more patience when I got to that when I got to that it died. <laughs> it just died. And so I said, well, I don't have a compressor on a board. Boop. I just cranked it and I did that and it just freaking sounded awesome. And and it, and of course I was just using the natural compression of the amp. But my point is, folks, you can you can do that. You could do that if I had a five watt amp. If I cranked it, it would have done it. Or if I had a ten watt amp, I cranked it, it would have done it. It doesn't matter. It's just you've got to um, you got to learn how to use the equipment that you have in place, right? And you want to you want to get that. While I sit here and look at a at a Rickenbacker three sixty twelve, but um, <laughs> but you can't get a, a twelve string sound out of a six string. I don't care how hard you try. I don't care what kind of emulator pedals you buy. But um, do you really need a 12 string? That's the question that, that comes into mind. But um, on the other side I'm of that, just you know, you're thinking I, about my Mark V right now. Like I'm spacing out and I'm like, man, I should take that to open mic on Tuesday. I took this, the black um, Angus Young, <laughs> to, uh, I, I did, because um, last week, or the, well, now it's last week, folks. Yeah, we're recording even in the following week. <clears throat> when I did the open mic, I did some Tom Petty tunes because last week, I think it was the sixth, was the anniversary of losing Tom Petty. So I did some Tom Petty tunes. Now I got to learn a bunch of cream stuff for next or this coming week. Um, so I might do uh, White Room or, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. Of, nice tribute there, by and, the way. And and, and uh, what's his name? Uh, Rick Beato uh, did a did a little tribute, and the thing that he did was he was talking about how over the next year or two we're just going to see it keep happening. Yeah, I mean if you think about it, <clears throat> next um, year, next Clapton five is seventy four years, years old. Yeah, I mean Cla Clapton is seventy four. Right, he was talking about the the youngest guy, <laughs> the youngest guy, you know, in the in the you know in the in the great plane of things is Frampton at 69. So if you look, um, now Frampton took better care of himself when he was, when yeah, he was except young. for the cocaine, but I'm just talking about, yeah, I'm just talking about the guys like, um, Clapton. He was on the horse for a long time. He, I would not horse. be surprised. I could see several people kicking the bucket that are younger than them. That would probably shock the hell out of people. One of them being Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. Oh, Eddie Van Halen. can't stop. Uh, He's had cancer he's more had than a few can, times. He's it, had cancer it, once, and the rumor is he has cancer right now. That's that's been a rumor for six months now. So, yeah, he had 
mouth or throat. Yeah, well, he had mouth cancer, cancer and he blames it on his picks. The guy smokes like a chimney, but he blamed his mouth cancer on his picks. Probably guitar yeah. picks. Yeah, yeah. It was the guitar picks. It wasn't the fact that that his guitars all had cigarette it burns in the, the deck that you know or in the headstock. That, that, he, yeah, couldn't stop smoking. That, that he he smokes more cigarettes than you know he plays guitar. Um, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen him without a cigarette in his mouth. Yeah. 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 He'd be like Sharon Stone in that movie. What are you yeah. going to do? Tell me I can't smoke. <laughs> oh my no, God. Not. I'm not going any further. <laughs> and he crosses his legs. But um, Why did he wear those shorts? That's what we want to know. So uh, anyway. <laughs> Eddie, stop that. You know what happens to old Ben? Oh, God. So uh, when uh, <laughs> it went down the went down the hill yeah. real fast there. <laughs> uh, we are in the gutter tonight. Yeah, we're, we're down here. Why not? <laughs> and um, it, we don't. Hey, I was we, talking we about John clicked. Mayer. What better place to go? The gutter. <laughs> you got to get clicked somehow. But yeah, we don't have we. I don't think any of us. I'm sure none of our listeners. And if if someone, one of our listeners does have cartage, thank you for listening. Yes, <laughs> yes I can say. I, you're obviously um, in the wrong place. <laughs> yeah, go find a go find a better yes, class. There's of definitely losers. some better podcasts for you. I can I can <laughs> recommend a few. Um, when when uh, but my point is that that you know I'm I'm looking at all this and I'm like. Why do we care what these people think? Why should you? I mean, unless you're playing for them, they don't care what you think. They come to you and ask, hey. I think music is so much of a participatory art in the sense that most of us get into music because we we like some artists. And then we're like, I wish I could do that. And then we pick up a guitar. And the first thing is most people do is learn those artists' songs, right? Um and <clears throat> let's take it out of let's take it out of music for just a second. Did Picasso copy anybody? I'm sure he did. I'm sure. You know, I mean, I'm sure in the beginning he did. Everybody yeah, but that's learned my point. somehow. But then he then he moved because on. he was a professional. But that's Picasso would be the guy that you would talk about, like in the same vein as like your your John Mayer, your Eric Clapton, your Jimi Hendrix, like the people that actually like inspired people after them. Whereas somebody like me going right. into a club and playing, nobody's going to be inspired by me. Like, and if they are, no. I would be, that would be like this cosmic thing where I would, I would feel the the need to like cry because, <laughs> but nobody gets inspired. Nobody's getting inspired by the person that's a street artist that's sitting there. That's my point. That's my point. Down. And, and usually they are, cla- they are classical in the sense that like, they've looked at what other people do and that's how they develop their technique. You will find some unique and unorthodox individuals that, that don't get started in fame. But my point is that the vast majority of guitar players probably pick up a guitar because they liked a, you know, a corn song or a, you know, I, I'm just throwing like ran- corn. Uh, I'm just uh, random, oh. like random bands that, you know, of the last 20 years. I could have I told them how to get that sound. All you got to do is get a wah pedal and a strat. Oh, my gosh. Um, a small fender ramp. Some minor six game. chords. Uh, anyway, so, um, no, I'm just thinking like, you know, there's some random band, like I'm sure some people picked up a guitar because of Soundgarden or some people picked up a guitar because of Pearl Jam. Somebody picked up a guitar and it doesn't matter who the band is, but the point is that like they pick up a guitar and then they learn those songs initially. And then some people, because of that, because of that, like frequency and gravitation, they can't get out of that loop. And so that's what happens is like every time, you know, Stone Goddard, I think he's the guitar player for Pearl Jam, right? Um, gets it 
I think yeah. it gets in a um an inter- Kim, Kim something. No, Kim Thiel is that Soundgarden. Uh, Right. So like, let's say Kim Thale, every time he does an interview, then they're like, oh, I got to find out what he's using. I got to go get, you know, I got to go get X. And there are definitely people that get into that loop. Yeah. For the longest time, I saw that Jim Root, right? Yeah. The guy uh, from Slipknot. Slipknot. Every time Jim Root would say something, people would clamor to get the Jim Root thing. And then the other guy, there's Jim Root. Mick Thompson. What was it? Thompson. Mick Thompson, then the other guys had to get the Mick Thompson. Yeah, and, and you know what? And that's fine. Like, I think that's fine to an extent that you understand that you're after something specific about what they do. It shouldn't be hero worship. You shouldn't be doing it because you like the person or you want to be that person. Like, that's where it crosses over into the realm of the weird. Where, and this is why you have things like that meme of uh, the famous um, movie with Hitler where he's like talking about Stevie Ray Vaughan's tone where they've, they've overdubbed it. I'm sure everybody's oh. seen that at this point, the, the video clip. Yeah, I've seen that meme so like, many times. And so he, many the guy says his tone is yeah. in the fingers or whatever, and he just like flips out and starts going off. But no, the whole thing is like, I, I've seen people with two tube screamers on their board and a wah pedal tape together. This has happened, okay? Um, and it's it, at some point you got to go like, what are you trying to achieve here? Are you are you just trying to be this other person or are you trying to be yourself? Why do you think that there's a David Gilmore Stratocaster in Guitar My Center point. For That's 4, why the artist sales are so big because people are like, I want to do exactly what that guy's doing. And you're not. I have this SG and there's nothing about it when I play it that sounds like um, Angus Young. And I'm plugging it straight into a Marshall. I mean, it's just, there's no, how do I say this? There's no way that the individual, we've said this before, no way an individual will sound exactly like another individual. And you'll never pull it off. I've never heard anybody play Stevie Ray Vaughan that made me feel. I was just talking to my um, co-guitar player in the band tonight, and we were talking about that. And I and we were talking about how because you know how we had you and I had talked on the podcast a couple weeks ago about how most of the blues bands don't sound bluesy; no, they kind of sound really stiff and crappy. We were talking about one of the local blues guys that, and I'm and he and he said to me, my my co guitar player finally said something to me I've only ever heard from people like us. He goes, Jim, you know why they play the blues? Cause it's easy. He says they just pick one, four, five, straight up. And everybody knows how to go through those changes. They're lazy and they don't want to learn anything new. He says, he says, if they wanted to learn one new thing, they'd come outside that. They play two, five, one. And play something different. Well, two, five, one, two, six. uh, No, no, the reason why I say two, five, one is, is it, am I saying that wrong? Is it two, five? No, it's two, five, one. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is like, well, then they could do it in all keys, and then they could do it. You know, (laughs) you can see where this is going. Like, then it becomes hard, and they don't want to do that. (laughs) I mean, um, and so the the uh, there was a Ed Cock did an interview where he was talking about how different guitars make you mean Greg differently. Greg Cock. Ed. Who did I say? I don't know. Ed Cock. Oh, I know who Ed Cock is. He used to be the the. The New Yorkers know because he used to be the um, the mayor of New wow, York City. Wow, Jim! Wow, now <laughs> you're, you're reaching. Like 
<laughs> anyway, Greg Cock um, uh, was talking about that. Yet, if you ask him, what one guitar would you take to and from? It's a t- it's his Telecaster. And now, of course, he'll say his Reverend because that's his signature. But it, it was made to his spec, so I, you know, it's a Telecaster with Reverend headstock. But the but the point is. Greg Cock, who's probably the one guy who can say he can do just about anything on guitar. I've heard him do jazz, heard him do classical, heard him do, I mean, the guy's an incredible genius on guitar. And yet, he's a, he'll be also the next guy to say, no matter how much you think I sound like Ed King, I don't sound like Ed King. And so, um, that's from for those who don't know who Ed King was, he was from the um, Leonard Skinner band. But um, the point is, if you're, if you're looking to chase tone, chase tone, but you're not, but don't buy their gear to get there. You will find that you will find gear that works for you because your playing style would be different. The way you pick is going to be different. The I'm going to, the way you end can is going to be different. Myself? The way you yep, go for I it. I think uh, our listeners may remember, um, I have, I've been a, in a kind of an avowed Marshall guy, at least the entire time I've been doing this show. Um, and, and that's not been the entire truth of my playing career, but like, I, I had this idea that I was going to do this Hendrix thing and I was going to get, I was going to get a Plexi or a Plexi like amp. And I started going down this path of looking at all these Plexi esque amps. You know what I found Jim? And this is going to sound absolutely insane, but I don't want a Plexi. You don't No, You, you know, don't what want yeah, you know what I want? You know what I want? I want a JCM 800, which was the thing I said all yeah. along. I didn't want because. Yep that's a Marshall to me. Like that's the sound that I picture coming out of a Marshall. Um, not the kind of fuzzy thing that happens with a Plexi. Not that Plexis are bad. It's just not what I'm after. And it's not because I could use an 800 and I could do the, the Jimi Hendrix thing. And, and it would be fine because yeah. it gives me the, the frequency carve I need. But the, the main thing is because I was so like blind to the fact that this, this is the guy that, really inspires me to play you know and i was going to do what yeah. he thought was the original template for guitar and and somebody like that like i idolize him to the point where it's like this is the giant to which all people should be looking and that's wrong because let's face it jimmy had a lot of contemporaries who were also extremely talented and also the same kind of figures these same kind of messianic figures in guitar i mean let's not forget the other people that shared the stage with him at Woodstock, like, you know, Carlos Santana, for example, um, who arguably has a fairly different tone and style. Um, as the who? who Pete Townsend is a perfect example. Um, Slightly different. I think he admired Butterfly. With him. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's just my, my, my point is that, uh, you know, even at the time, like Hendrix is popular, there were all these blues cats that were just unbelievable, Great. like Albert King or, you know, and, and that's my point is like, you can get so focused on one specific player like Jeff Beck, for example, and I love Jeff Beck, but I mean, you could get so focused on somebody that you lose sight of the fact that there's all this other guitar work out there to look at. Don't forget to look at other players. Yeah. Well, for me, I, again, we've talked about how I was lucky enough to grow up at a time when it was exploding. So for me, my childhood was filled with everything from the Beatles to the birds, to the stones, to, um, everything that we've already mentioned, the Who and Hendrix, and and of course, you know, I was in my twenties when uh, I in my thirties when when 
when uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan passed away. So I'd seen I'd seen Stevie Ray Vaughan. I, you know, I was alive when you know they they made they put the news out that that we had lost Hendrix. I remember the announcement of somebody saying the Beatles broke up, and my father being yeah. upset upset about to throw things. I mean, there's a there's a um. You know, there was an explosion of guitar. And the one thing I learned when I saw all these guitar players playing, nobody was doing the same thing. Can we talk of? There's one other article it, I. It, you could say there were people um, that were saying, oh, the, the British invasion means you have to have a Rickenbacker and uh, what was the, the amp, uh, High yeah. Watt or whatever. Um, but the truth of the matter is, the British invasion wasn't that. There were a lot of Tellys, there were a lot of Strats, there were a lot of SGs, there were a lot of um, uh, Les Pauls. And so, <clears throat> as I was watching all these players, all these things that they do, I saw the one thing they they had. I mean, I, I remember Pat Travers first started, you know. So, uh, well, when he when he started putting out records, and I'm thinking to myself, wow. And yeah, I'm the same kid. I was sitting down listening to to Sticks. And I could listen to Pat Travers and I could listen to, you know, Muddy Waters and I could listen to, um, I know Clap. so many people who get genre pigeonholed or like artist pigeonholed. And that's the, that's the danger. Yeah. It's not really genre pigeonholed. Like if you're going to be an electric guitar player and you decide you're going to play metal and all you listen to is metal music, that might work out for you, but it's all I'm going to listen to is I'm just trying to like hate eternal. Like that's the only band I'm going right. to listen to. Hate breed. Yeah. Hate eternal. We'll stick with that one. Um, and, okay. I, I, I've only seen, I thought that their logo was cool. Yeah, all, all of their logos are cool. Their logos are oftentimes cooler than the music of the band itself. Um, I've never sometimes you can't breed, even read the band name in the logo. And there have been various memes <laughs> where people have put together like these insane looking logos that have no band name in them. Um, which yeah. th that is brilliant to me. Um, that would be the kind of name that I would have for a like hard metal band. But anyway, when I when I look at the extreme metal stuff and I think about it, like, yeah, you could you can pro you'll learn to play guitar by listening to one band, but you'll only be able to play that band stuff, and and you're not gonna develop that style any further beyond what you just you know what you what you are attempting to emulate, and so that's where I'm like, part of part of guitar is synthesis, and not like you know a synthesizer, but like the idea that. You're going to take two things and mash them up and you're going to take all the good parts. And that is synthesis. Um, and it, yeah. you could, you, or you can, you know, you can look at it and you can say it's, um, what do they call it? Where you just, uh, you know, you're mixing things up. It's not the same because mixing things up also mix, mixes up the bad things. And I don't think anybody wants to mix right. up the things that are negative about something. Um, although right. I think those things are often the things that give a particular style or musician their charm is the way that they screw things up. Um, so, right. Um, it, it's just, that's just a, a, a bare component there, but we were talking about Pete Townsend and since we're talking about, um, news articles tonight, I, dude, we got to talk about Pete Townsend's comment. Yeah. Cause I know you, I know you know <laughs> yeah. what I'm talking about where he says guitar <laughs> is dead. Like there's nothing, nothing new and interesting yep. going on in guitar. He is so fucking guitar. out of yeah. touch with reality. It's unbelievable. He is. Yeah. That guy, that guy's been out yeah, of touch like, with reality. Dude, like moment. seriously. Um, Tosin Abasi, uh, you know, um, uh, Guthrie Govan, even Steve Vai still, like, those people would beg to differ with you. Uh, there's definitely some exciting guitar music out there. 
it might not be the stuff that you hear at number one on record charts or whatever. But ultimately, like if you're a guitar player, there's still music out there for you. Um, and that's that's another thing. I'm going to these open mics and I'm right. playing guitar instrumental music primarily, right? Like I do a vocal right. number here or there. But right. um, the whole thing is you'd think you go into these situations and like nobody would be interested in what you're doing. But it's all other musicians in the room. Like that's the perfect place for somebody like me to play. Yeah, exactly. I, so I want to talk to that. So <clears throat> just like we talked about Mare and, and uh, what's his face? Um, Phil X. I want to talk directly to that. So Pete Townsend. So I was, I was talking about how I grew up and there were so many new and exciting things. It was really exciting time for music. Um, but the, the thing about Pete Townsend is he got to say, Hey, Marshall, here's what I want an amp to sound like. And Marshall created, Hey, Hiwa, I want an amp to sound like this. And they created it. Now I'm not talking about the, the guys who do signature amps today, because the guys who are doing signature amps today are still yeah, they're like digging what, out the old size and be like, all right, we'll tweak this uh, resistor here and this cap here. And yeah. Yeah, and then and then put my name on it and charge people five hundred extra dollars a piece. No, I'm talking about the um, the ones that that were making it. Like Marshall was like, I don't know if I can make an amp like that. And so uh, at the time, Marshall was still making. I, I I don't know if they still make them, but they were making bass heads too. So you had um, Antwistle over here saying, "I want." a bass head that's this loud because Townsend's that loud. And then Townsend was like, well, I want this. And I mean, they were going, that's the reason they hold the whole high watt thing. and everything else. So if you look at, they were in a, they were in a volume war. I mean, they were doing things like that. And then you had guys like Hendrix and you had people. So the, the, the guitar was still in a morphing stage. I mean, the fifties started it, right? The fifties, um, we had uh, guys like Scotty Moore and stuff that were, taking guitar and putting it into electrified, right? And they were moving that way. You were, where a guitar was the main melodic instrument. If you think about it, folks, it's not that long ago when a piano was the melodic instrument because it was the only one that you were really able to hear, right? And there were banjos. The reason banjos were melodic is because they were loud. And, it, and there were fiddles because fiddles had a frequency range that carried, right? So if you were doing a band, it was a good a good chance that the band you were in in the 40s had a guitar, but it was just somebody strumming chords. They were it was a harmony instrument, not a melodic instrument. Okay, there's a difference, right? So then, um, so folks, when you when we refer to a harmony instrument, we're talking about chords for the most part. Okay, so now you move into the 50s. The 50s. Brings the electric guitar forward, right? And then the 60s makes it explode. But before The Who and before Hendrix and before uh, um, The Beatles, right? That's why people, they latch on to The Beatles or they latch on to Hendrix or they latch on to uh, Clapton. They latch on to those folks because that was, the, that was the needle coming in this direction. It was the beginning, really, of it all. Because before that, it was still a clean tone. You look back at Scotty Moore playing for Elvis Presley. Unless you were listening to like the, the blue stuff. Like Albert King would have been popular right. before then and stuff. And, 
and the Albert King stuff and the and the muddy water stuff and things like that, you know. The, you mean the pre Hendrix? People forget. Yes, the pre Hendrix Hendrixes. They were doing something that it was an accident. Okay, they they were pushing their amps really. Hard. I think in some case, I think Nobody I think maybe the generation prior to them it was an accident. I think those guys were after it. They were, uh, yeah, they were pushing it hard, and the reason they were pushing it hard is because they didn't have the money. Yeah. When you think about it, a guitar like like Lucille, there's a reason that freaking BB um, uh, King ran into a building, a burning building, to grab his guitar. Yeah. <laughs> it was because to, in today's world, you think that that a, um, a, a three thirty five costs a lot, or whatever it was, was it three thirty five, three thirty nine? Um. Anyway, if you think it costs a lot now, the amount of money you had to pay back then was equal to what it is now mm -hmm. or more. And so that's the reason he ran into a burning building to grab his guitar. He that was his livelihood. That was everything. And so if you if you look at it, there were there were guys pushing the limits and they were doing new things and and exciting things with the with the gear that they had. And I think that that's probably what Townsend is saying. I <clears throat> I'm not a hundred. I, I also know that Townsend's a little. He's been out of out of touch with reality since Quadrophenia. So let's not let's not go there. But um, the point is that that there there's music. There's this beautiful music that's being created, still being created. You can still do it, you know. And people are like, well, I can't do it this way because if they're looking for something new, because so so and so already does the distorted sound. So and so already used this. So and so already did that. If you're if you're looking for your own voice, it's no further than right inside your head, and in and in your heart and in your ears. Yeah, That's where I mean, your voice I have. Is. I know at least when I first started playing, like I had a, a general archetype for like what I thought guitar was supposed to sound like, and I've spent years still chasing that original idea, um, and rationalizing that other people had already done that original idea when they in fact had not. Um, <clears throat> so. Yeah. There are certainly players that I found that have come close to where I'm at, but uh, I really feel like I I will achieve it someday because it's so clear in my mind. And I think that's, to some extent, I think we all have that inside us. Like we have this archetypal idea of what we expect the guitar to sound like. And so that's what we should be pursuing. Not so much like trying to sound like some other person, um, now technique wise, that may be another conversation, but like, just like playing an open E chord, what that should sound like to me. And I can't really describe it, but I know what it sounds like because I can hear it in my head. And that's what I've chased all these years. Um, and then I have another idea of what like a lead sound should be. And that's, that's a whole other thing, which, which means that ideally I'd want them both in the same amp on the same channel. So I can just literally just do it, but I don't think that's achievable because <laughs> they're pretty different um but ultimately you know that's that's kind of what i'm what i'm getting at here is that like look within yourself reach deep down in there pull, pull you know from the bottom and and uh hopefully your butthole won't come out your mouth and uh you will you know you'll achieve something like it'll sound it'll sound like you at the least um and yeah you know part of the synthesis idea where i was talking about that a minute ago i want everybody to understand that synthesis does not mean that you're going to literally be an amalgamation of these two people what happens is those two things get mashed up and then that's you in the middle um you're the thing that fills in or or um it's like it's like wood putty 
You know, there's two pieces of wood and you slather wood putty between them. You stick them together. You're the wood putty. You're the thing that's actually pulling these things right. together. Um, and so you do squeeze yep. through the cracks and you do come through and that's how you actually develop a voice. And so develop, developing a Absolutely. voice on guitar is, is a skill that we should be um, looking at. Like the other skills we've talked about on the show, like ear training and perseverance and how to, you know, assemble the right rig for what you're doing and all of those different skill sets that go into being a musician, which, which that's, I mean, people think that literally being a musician is just playing the guitar and there's so much more to it than that. There's behavior towards other people, um, which Jim, you and I both have dealt with people over the years who are less than civil to one another. Um, there's, right. there's, you know, these, these um, social aspects of knowing when it's appropriate to, you know, consume alcohol or you know, drop acid before a show. <laughs> um, and, and I'm sure you've dealt with people like that too, where it's like substance abuse knows no end before they go on stage. Um, or people who, you know, don't maintain their gear properly or who, people who, um, get upset at the, you know, the drop of a hat with the club owner because they told them to turn down like those, all these different things oh are just like little pieces of being a musician that we have to um, amalgamate and figure out a path. That's a positive one for us. And I think that's the, the, the toughest yeah. challenge. Like, like you can figure out how to play an instrument in, in a number of years. And it, yes, that takes time, but ultimately you will figure it out if you put the hours in. It's the other stuff right. that goes along with it, like ear training and then the social skills. And um, and we should probably put together a list of these things uh, so that you understand, like, playing your instrument's only a, sm a small fraction of what it takes to actually be a musician. Um, and that I think if everybody yeah. understood that, I think this world would be a lot friendlier for musicians. Um, because yeah, Pete Thorne, Pete Thorne had an excellent, uh, so you want to be a pro musician series of videos that he did where he talked about that. He said, it's a given that you're going to be talented. You wouldn't be trying to do this if you weren't talented. Now there are always, and this is the thing folks, because I was, you know how I said that you're always good enough to take the stage. And yeah, and I, I agree. But and I say, but, and everybody says, well, everything that comes before but doesn't matter, right? Well, my but, um, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Mine is so huge that every. But anyway, so what I was trying to say is that, that there's this. If, if you're going to take the stage, you're going you're gonna to play. It's a given that you've worked on the songs. You've given your best. You're giving your all. So that's not the question of whether or not you'd make a good musician. As far as you know, like making a living at it, or at least making some money at it. <clears throat> and that is, um, are you able to work with others? Like you said, the social aspects. Um, I've had uh, the problem with a lot of the people that, that like you were talking about the person that drops acid before a gig. I'll tell you the problem with a lot of these guys is a lot of times in the beginning, that little bit of a joint takes the edge. Yeah. Off. They're that relying beer, on it. And, they, and because the edge, they're relying on it, that's why they never are able to do it without it. Right. Well, then it, well, then because it takes the edge off a little bit, they sound good to them. You know, like to them, what's happened? It, it, yeah. Well, if, if they've only taken the edge off, you had one beer. I have, I have it, seen one hit wonders. But I'll say this, that, that once those people get, they get convinced 
that they can't go on stage unless they're stoned or they're drunk. And then that's when it gets dangerous. When it's no longer just taking the edge off, it becomes a a thing uh, of its own. It takes on a life of its own. And, and and I think that's true probably of just about anything somebody does that that they think they need uh, they need to rely on drugs or alcohol to go forward. Like I'll, I'll always hear people, well, I think so much better, so much clearer when I'm stoned. Well, then you need to learn how to think clearer because you shouldn't have to be stoned to think clearly. It, that's yeah, you're thinking in a way that's in an unreal state. So when you, it's just like a dream. In my dreams, I can fly. In my dreams, I can I can do things I've never done in my life. Right? He can fly. And it, yeah, that's he just I know. No, no, that guy is that guy is bad. He thinks about it. It's socially unacceptable. I don't like that song. <laughs> but no, I mean, I've had dreams. <laughs> and when I woke up, when I first woke up, I was like, I was convinced. I figured it out. I know how to walk on, on air. So, yeah, there, there's that opening of the of the world when people are stoned. But when they come back down to the earth, that, that's not a reality. And the problem is when we talk about art, often art is a is a place. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Reality. I so, mean, you really think Cannibal Corpse is so out there doing gonna, some of the things that are in their song titles? Right. So if you go out there and you talk about the, the, um, the fact that a lot of these people, if they're, if they're not creative, they're not worth anything. So there are people then that go, Hey, this person's making us money. And to be creative, they have to be stoned. Let's keep them stoned <laughs> to be, you know, to be productive, they have to be drunk. So let's keep them drunk. And so the sycophants, you know, we talked about that before, the sycophants circle in. And even if you're just a bar band guy and somebody says to you, man, you should probably just have a little bit of a joint, just take the edge off. Then, then maybe you need to find another way to take the edge off. I'm just saying. Yeah, you got to take the edge off sometimes. I'll tell you, sometimes it's – take that stage and it's like, oh, my God, I cannot believe I'm doing this. It's, it's another night. And, and it does become work, and you're thinking, "Ah, oh, these people—they suck." I don't want to. I don't want to sit here and play forty-two songs to a bunch of people that are worried more about who's going to win the football game or ba- baseball. Damn, game. you it's don't have to play TV. forty-two songs. All you have to do is know twelve-bar blues. That's it. That's why you become yeah, a dude, blues man. That's I honestly, one, four, five, honestly, I think blues. that has a lot to do with it because I have seen bands where like. It's literally all of their songs are in A, B, or E, and it's the whole night is just them switching keys and doing 12-bar blue stuff because they just don't have a a long enough set. Yeah. I was in a blues band um, for about a month. That's how I could stand it. I was playing bass for a blues band, and the guys were, luckily, because I am not bluesy, um, they were the whitest blues band on the planet, right? They were they were just not good. The I said, hey man, we've only got like 22 songs. You sure we don't need any more songs? And he goes, ah, don't worry about it. Nobody's there from the second set to the third <laughs> We just do the same songs over and over. And so that's what we did. <laughs> we would do, sometimes we would do um, Bra- uh, Black Magic Woman yeah. three times in a night. 
Either way, well, yeah, and that's the, the thing. Night. Like, I don't think people realize that you can get away with that if you're playing until two o'clock in the morning. Like, you can play two the same set twice. You can have two sets and then do it four times. And the people that yep. were there for the first set will not be there for the second one. The second time you play through, it just yep. I I've been there. I've had to do that. Um, I think I had to do that. That's it. That sounds accurate. Um, but I know yeah. I've played the same song twice in a set before. I don't know whether it was on accident. I know I've done that. <laughs> in the same set, I don't think I've done it, but in in two sets, I've definitely done it. I've had I've had a band where we weren't really ready. Somebody asked us to play a gig, so we played the same set three times. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Truthfully, nobody cared. By the time nobody. they get to the second time, they're either too drunk to care. <laughs> a lot of times they were like, oh man, I yeah. really like yeah, this Yeah, they're song. like, I'm glad you're playing and, it again. And you're <laughs> like, I've just played like three songs in a row again, Monkey. Um. <laughs> but they hear their favorite song, whether it's, you know, Last Dance with Mary Jane or, you know, God Help Us. Uh, uh, what's the one? Uh, uh, Mustang Sally. Yeah. <laughs> the White Man's 12 Bar Blues. Um. Mustang Sally. That song is horrible. I, you know what? I want to see. They didn't even bother to write lyrics that matter. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I, I just wish that people would be more cognizant of the fact that um, you can have a voice and you can still play covers, too, because that's another thing. I saw this band last night. They were doing the Aussie thing, and, like, the guy nailed Randy Rose. He's really good at, like, doing all the little Randy Rhodes-isms. And then they played a, an original song yep. they wrote. And he was doing the Randy Rhodesisms, and it worked pretty well. Um, yeah, but I still feel like there it, he still needs to explore, like playing, I guess, playing more of his own style of music too, um, because I think, look, I get like the Randy Hansen thing. You know, he's the the Hendrix impersonator who's done two albums, which are very Hendrix inspired. Which is kind of like this is what Hendrix would yep. be doing if he were alive today, kind of thing. And I get right. it, but I just don't think that that's like, I just think it's kind of a bad taste. Yeah. Uh, so you just mentioned the, the thing about, uh, so the other guitar player and I, we were talking because we were talking about our strengths and weaknesses in the band. And he goes, your strength is when you play a solo, the way that they play the solo. And um, what's funny is he goes, you do it rote. You do it note for note every time. I said, man, you have no idea. I said, yeah. I said to him, I said, I know, I know how, it I, sounds. how I do it. I know the first part and I know the ending and then I fill in the middle. It's just like, it's like, I know, I know the first few lyrics of a song and I know the and last go, lyrics of the song in the middle. And then I'm done with I it. I want to point out in um, that video. It's just like Stairway to Heaven. There's a lady who shows all that glitters yeah. is gold, right? And then the last words are, and she's buying a stairway to heaven. And then everything in between, um, I make up. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because if you watch the video of me playing uh, Purple Haze, the last one, first time I've done that without lyrics. I left my <laughs> lyric sheet too, which is part of my panic attack. I will be completely. The only words I know to Purple Haze is <laughs> Purple Haze. <laughs> it's, it's like all of a sudden the Muppet got on stage with Jim. 
excuse me while I eat this fly. Oh no! It really is a Muppet. You remember that? That was uh, Jim would be better yeah, off as an animal. Um, I think uh, that's your your spirit Muppet. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, so there are songs like that 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 I just make it up in between, and people are like, "Oh man, you do so well," and I'm like, oh, "I have no idea." But the truth is that if if I was able to fool him, and he's a good good guitar player, he goes, "I know how to improvise." He goes, "Matter of fact, I don't do it rote. I can't rote do it." And he goes, "And you can can do the song like that." And I go, "Well, that's because I learned the solo, and then I go, okay, these parts that are tripping me up, I'm just yeah. going to make my own." <laughs> that's, that's pretty much how it started when I was a kid. I would go like, you know, uh, my heroes were, you know, the Beatles and stuff like that. And the Beatles were relatively easy. I mean, you can learn the solos of the Beatles relatively easily. If you want a place to start, a jumping point, Beatles is a great place to start. Um, especially the early stuff when they didn't let Harrison really feel it out. Plus, you got to remember, he was what? Yeah, 18, but they didn't do it because, they, because of the egos of, of uh, you know, those other two Beatles. Yeah, and and of course, yeah, there was. As a matter of fact, um, uh, isn't there a bass solo on uh, something? And Harrison was pretty pissed about that because McCartney went in and put a bass solo on it. It was one of the songs he put a bass solo. Yeah, over his, I think so. Yeah, solo. there was a lot of that kind of crap going on in that band. They really did not respect him. The the lyric that was very much a lyrics wow. first band, and everything else that yes. especially in the beginning. Especially so, in the beginning, it was all. There. And by the end, nobody cared. They were like, you know what? We're going to break up in a little while. We don't tour together anymore. We can't stand being in the same room. Yeah. It just um, should have ended so by the time did. it got there. But we, you know, they say the best albums are done under stuff? tension and the Beatles best records yeah. were done under tension. So we would max rumors is a, is a great uh, example. Purple, so who do we think we are where they couldn't even, we couldn't even who be in the same room. Like they couldn't even be in the same building <laughs> or, uh, yeah. Yeah. The second uh, Guns N' Roses record, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2, where they couldn't even, yeah, like they were literally oh, yeah. calling each other on the phone and being like, hey, hey, People I really country. like this. I really like this solo. Can you hold that? Can you hold that last note out another four bars? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. And yet their best. Yeah, album, a lot of people right? consider I mean, it well, to be their their best, yes. their best effort. And in, in the sense of like it being yeah. a, a complete like record unto itself and not trying to retread any ground that, you know, they were stealing from other artists or whatever. A lot of people say that the, the first uh, guns out al or guns album is very similar to a lot of Nazareth stuff. I'm not super familiar with yeah, Nazareth, yeah. but I could definitely see like some influence there. And yeah, but I mean, you know, you could, you could probably go through several bands like that and talk about how tensions and, and things that were wrong in their life. I mean, Hent or uh, uh, Clapton did some of his best writing. Um, unfortunately, the song well, The Death hell. of the Sun, Tears of Heaven, which all, I think is probably all one of the, most the Watchtower. Jimi Hendrix was pissed because Steve Winwood could not play the rhythm part he wanted, so he just took the acoustic guitar from yeah. him. He's like, Here, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Was it Steve Winwood or was it uh, uh, was it I know that um. Another person was playing 12 string on there. Uh, Brett Mason, not Brett Mason. No yeah, it's going to be like, uh, that might be the wrong decade. <laughs> yeah. Brett Mason was, was not even, he, I mean, he's probably my age. So he was like five when I came. Um, 
who the heck was it? Brent? Brent uh, there was a oh, bunch crap. of different players on that record. Electric Ladyland had some really good talent on it. Um, he had a he had a big hit. Now I'm now I'm dead. Uh, but you know what? You know what would surprise me the other day was I did not know Black Magic Woman was a Fleetwood Mac song first. I always thought Black Magic Woman wasn't it, wasn't it Peter was Green written Fleetwood by Mac, Peter Green yeah. Fleetwood Mac. Yep, yep. That was the. Uh, do you think it was a Neil Schoen Fleetwood? Do you think it was a Neil Schoen Santana song? No, no. I I figured it was. I thought it was Santana. Can we talk about? Santana, can we talk you know, about before the, unless we go to the outro here? Uh, can we talk about Neil Schoen? Trying to usurp uh, Carlos Santana out of his own band. That was one of the I still can't believe that that's like a legit life. thing. Oh, and then and apparently Neil Schoen <laughs> came out this week or something and said that like he greases all his guitar necks with bologna grease. So <laughs> I think he's yeah, full of bologna I mean, grease. Like, that's disgusting if he does. Um, I think. I think he just freaking was. I think so too. I think that was like that was I like how can I screw with this guy? You know. How many idiots are going to go out and go, well, Neil exactly, but you know what? That plays into the central oh, point of what we've been discussing for the last half hour, which is that, look, if you follow and worship these people, they can take you for a loop. And it has happened. Look at Jimmy Page go telling people that it? he was using um, uh, all these different amps over the oh, years. Yeah. And it turned out it was like a modified Supro. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, somebody else was uh, talking. They, they, made up a story because people kept asking him, you know, I, I think it was, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, from the, from the, from the stones, Keith Richards he, talking about his tone on, uh, that, uh, yeah. That down, yeah. Down, 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 right. The down, down. satisfaction. Yeah. Just made, he couldn't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then that part was, uh, that part was like the actually supposed to be the dub for the for the horns, and then they were going to come back in and bring the yep. horns in over the top of it. They're going to come back and put horns over it. That was his objective. Yeah, All and it just got printed the way down. it was, <laughs> and the rest <laughs> is history. Um, but but he got to he got to give him credit for freaking making shit up because he just yeah. Well, and that's you know that's like I've heard other people say stuff like that too, where they they'll just throw something out there like. You know, we recorded this with a Princeton, like a like a little Silverface champ or yeah. something, and then you find out later, like, no, they had like a Marshall stack with the reason for that. Like, I mean, there are there are happy accident, funny things that are, I, in, and I think some of it's, uh, I think of it, some of it's drug and alcohol related too. It's just like I can't yeah. remember what the hell we did. Like, well, a lot of these people, like Ace Fraley, <clears throat> you know, his parts were overdubbed. His parts were done by somebody else. There's lighter and, notes for um. Deep Purple's in rock. Yep. Where Ian Gilliam, they asked him like, uh, they asked him like to contribute, you know, what his experience is like when they were recording in rock. And he's like, well, I honestly don't know. Cause he's like, I was too drunk. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, in a God of Vita was supposed to be in the garden of Eden. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I can see that, you know, so later, clearly they were transcribing. <laughs> was, he, he, was, he was like 19 years old and he was so freaking out of his mind that he couldn't say in the garden of Eden. And I got it. I made it. Too good. You too go good. back and dub the words in the Garden of Eden. It kind of makes more we sense. We've talked about Iron Butterfly a lot this episode. It seems like um, the one hit wonder. They had two hits, I think. Did they? Actually, yeah. But that was the big one. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. 
I, I kind of, you know, I loved that song, and I was one of those ones that was so so oh, like twenty seven minutes long or something. It's I, is it nine and a half minutes long? Yeah, it's no, it was too because it because it came out as a single and it was both sides of the single. Let's see, Inagata Davida. Inagata Davida is how long? The All Slayer right. version. <laughs> the Slayer version. Seventeen minutes. You're right. Yeah, it's long, man. Oh, that's right. It was two sides of a nine-minute single. Right. That's what <laughs> yeah. I just said. Yeah, and it was like, and it was like looped. It wasn't even like a beginning and an end. It was just like, here's the song. <laughs> you know, you got to give him credit though. He was he was um, emo before emo was big. He was uh, not emo, but uh, um, uh, like Soundgarden, Pearl Jam type. Uh, it was only eight thirty, and I'm about to fall asleep. Uh, it's nine thirty here, and I'm. So, All right, so let's recap. Um, Phil X, bad. <laughs> flooding, flooding in condo, bad. Yes, John Mayer, in. bad. Katana Mark II, <laughs> bad. Um, uh, having dreams of being another guitar player who's already famous, bad. Uh, and uh, with that, I've been David. I've been Jim. And tonight, we have been practical guitarists. Practically, practical guitarists. <laughs>